It's time to share secrets and insights from fellow entrepreneurs. If you're looking to grow or start a business and you're a game changer, then keep listening to Avanti Entrepreneur for great advice from your host, Dave Mamano, America's Entrepreneur Coach. Hey, Avanti Tribe, Dave Mamano here. Just want to thank our sponsor, Paychex. You know, Paychex, they make it simple for businesses of all sizes to pay and manage their team. They make payroll easy with employee pay options, including direct deposit, checks, pay cards, and so much more. Founded over four decades ago to relieve the complexity of running a business so that the owners can focus on what matters most. Above all else, and more than any other company, Paychecks makes it simple. Visit AvantiEntrepreneurGroup.com. Go to our partner link and check them out. They're offering you a free month of payroll just for giving them a shot as an Avanti Tribe member. Give them a shot, folks. They really help this podcast to be possible. Really appreciate Paychecks. Now, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Avanti Entrepreneur Podcast. I am Dave Bomano, your host, and we are here to help entrepreneurial achievers and business owners and leaders move forward so that they can reach their potential. I do this by interviewing the nation's best business movers and shakers. Today I have on the show, the great Victor Antonio. Victor, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, David. Glad to be here, man. Victor, your energy is, is just amazing. I love it. I just met you, saw you a couple of weeks ago. Well, by the time this podcast airs, it's going to be a couple of months ago. Uh, but at the Outbound Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, yeah. And, you know, how, how'd you like shame that? on me. How, What's that? How'd you like that presentation, man? That was phenomenal. Right. That was phenomenal. Cool, cool. That was the first time I delivered it in that sequence. There was some oh, really? material in there. So that was the first time I had ever done it. Well, you nailed it. Yeah, man, cool. Cool. That's always good. I'm, good drinking, the, I'm drinking the Antonio Kool-Aid. There's no doubt about it. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a little <laughs> nervous because uh, – uh, Jeb, the organizer, was like, dude, you're going to use a flip chart? I'm like, yeah. He said, <laughs> I freaked him out. And I, I, I just, trust me, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. He's like, okay, here you go. So it worked out well, man. Well, in, in the sea of sameness, you got to be different, right? Just a little different, man. I, I, I think I stood out a little bit, uh, but I've been using flip charts lately in a lot of my, uh, my workshops and keynotes because I found that the engagement factor goes up. You Interesting. Know, so, it, it, for example, since we're talking to entrepreneurs, if you're an entrepreneur and you have to do a presentation, there's something about that's very analog, not digital, very analog about writing, inviting yeah. somebody up to the board to write with you that helps them co-create. And I think because you're drawing, it gives you more credibility like, okay, this guy's not memorizing a script. He's not using a PowerPoint slide. He knows what he's talking about and he's going for it. And I think there's something yep. to that psychologically. Well, I, I think that's a great point. And everyone else is using PowerPoints these days. Why not be different? Go a little old school, right? Yep. I still write handwritten thank you notes. You know why? Because freaking no one else does. Right. And it's, I stayed yeah. out. It's the right? pendulum has swung the other way, right? I think what happened was, you know, we were writing letters. If we can go back far enough, then we went over to email. Then everybody started writing email. Now we're moving back towards what nobody's doing, which is what you're doing. A little personal yeah. note once in a while makes all the difference in the world. Old school, belly to belly, I'm doing, I'm writing letters, you know, uh, uh, I, I think what, what worked in the 1950s can work again today, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> I think we just got to shorten it up. You can't sit there, dear customer, I am calling right. to inquire about, you know, you can't do that whole thing. Yeah. You got to say, hey, man, love. to meet you, what's up, whatever it may be, but something quick, short, to the point, nice touch. 
Little love. Well, Victor, so I want to introduce you to the Avanti entrepreneur family, our listeners, our tribe, our family. We are beginning the middle stage entrepreneurs. We're learning, we're growing, we're collaborative. We're, we love sales because we're the founders for the most part. We're also the lead salesperson. Now, Victor, shame on me. I showed up at that conference. I had never heard of you. Shame on me. Well, I'm going to raise I am my hand. Out of here. I am so out of here right now. Good luck. But now I love sir. you. Now I love you. <laughs> In fact, when I posted our picture on Facebook, I got a few comments of like, I love Victor. He speaks at our conference. And so oh. apparently I've been living in a cave and I missed the Victor boat. That's okay. I am so glad that I met you. Your energy is fantastic. You're, you know, it's, 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 if you could, if you could combine and I hope you take this the right way, like an entertainer, almost like a comedian on stage with incredible, impactful content, that's you. That is actually you. The audience. That's a that's a great description, actually. Do you know what I mean? Because there's a fine line between, you know, well, here, let me back up. When I used to sit in training courses and listen to people, the majority of people just bored the hell out of me. And I never yeah. wanted that, you know. And so, you know, one of the things I started doing when I started speaking, I used to do the PowerPoint, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you just told them. Basic sequence, right? And yeah. I wasn't getting anywhere. I just wasn't reaching out. And then I started inserting personal stories, a lot of Zig Ziglar type of humor. That's where I've been schooled, right? And then, yeah. but you got to make sure there's great content, aha moments in there. People go, huh, I didn't look at it that way. Hmm, never thought about that. Or as I call it, insight. My definition of insight is information beyond the obvious. Give them something that makes them go, you know, I never looked at it that way. And then tie it with a story, be a little humorous, be, be okay with engage. And the way you describe it, that blend is what I go for, actually. Well, it's working because I've seen, uh, you know, when Zig was alive, I saw him speak a couple of times. And that guy, and he was like, you know, 75 then, he was up and down, he was on his knees. He, I mean, he was all over I the know, place, man. right? He, got, he was getting like a beach body P90X workout during his talk, right? And uh, and then you look at the best comedian uh, in today's world, in my opinion, is Sebastian Maniscalco. And, and half of his comedy is just his nonverbal communication, right? Is, I mean, just is. the way his, his mannerisms, his movements. By I mean, the way, Seb just, Sebastian's number two for me. Bill Burr is number one. Bill Burr. Bill Burr's. Bill, I don't know Bill Burr's. Bill Burr, B-U-R-R. -R. Oh, I got to look him up. Yeah, uh, he doesn't have the body language that Sebastian has, uh, but he yeah. does have this way of setting up a story, similar to Sebastian, but the way he does it, and then he just keeps digging into the insight that you're like, how deep is this guy going with the story? And he keeps it right. humorous and insightful. But yeah, Sebastian is right up there, man. Uh, his ability to, 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 his facial expressions, his body language. Uh, when I first saw Zig Ziglar in 93 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, that's when I was like, okay, I want to be that when I grow up type of thing. And so I yeah. studied Zig Ziglar uh, in terms of verbiage and use of words and phraseology. Uh, Jim Rohn was the other guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Jim Rohn. And so, but a lot of that is very Ziglar-esque of what I do on stage. Very Ziglar-esque. Yeah. I give credit. I give homage. And so I learned that from him the using of the tone, the voice. Most people don't know. If you're an entrepreneur, I'm telling you right now, there's something about speeding through a presentation, slowing down on purpose, saying something very purposeful, and dropping that key point that the customer mm -hmm. knows. Oh, that's what he's talking about. I mean, just stuff like that is what I learned from Zig Ziglar. Body language, yep. tone, those things all make a difference. Yeah, just letting things sit there for the, for the, the pause, the impact, right? Be comfortable and then with jumping it. back. Yeah, yep. be comfortable with that pause. I think, you know, when you're first starting out, you think that you have to talk a lot. 
And I think for entrepreneurs who are starting out or in the mid stages, you realize after a while as you get older is that less talking, more asking and being okay with the silent. Like when somebody asks you a question, you're the entrepreneur, potential client is asking you a question. It's okay to pause for a second or two to give it a very reflective answer. And you got to get comfortable with that. And I think that's the power of presentation sometimes. I think we lose a lot of deals in the presentation phase of our product or service. That's why I think we lose the deals. Yep. So, Victor, so we talked about Sebastian Maniscalco, which may be a good segue to kind of get into your, your bio here so people get to know you a little bit more because mm-hmm. Sebastian is from Chicago. You're from Chicago. And uh, so I read your bio. I don't want to read it you know, word for word, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about where you came from and then how you got to where you are today. Now, I know that you were born, you know, uh, very, very privileged, uh, rich, silver spoon. And so, you know, t- take, it, take it from there, right? So, so, so uh, my family's originally from Puerto Rico. Saludos a mis boricuas. Don't know what that means. That's hiding my Puerto Rican friends in Spanish. Gracias. Gracias. So, yeah. And so uh, they moved to Chicago in the late 50s. My mother had a third grade education. My father had a fifth grade education. Didn't speak the language. We had it hard. I was talking about food stamps, government cheese, powdered milk. Uh, we lived not too far from the Cabrini Green housing projects in the Humble Park area. For those who know the area of Chicago, you know what I'm talking about. And so, you know, drugs, gang violence, and all that. And my mother was always like, go to school, get the education, you know, get the good J-O-B. So I was graduating from high school. And my mother says, if you don't go to college, you have to go work with your father in the factory. So my father had one of the, what I call black collar jobs. It was so dirty. He came home, the collar was always black. And so I said, I'm going to college. And I was talking to my physics teacher, Mr. Hodges. And I said, hey, what about that school? You know how they put those little uh, advertisements on the cork boards in school to try to get, yep. get, you know, rip off the card and send in for more information. I said, what do you think of this yep. school? Illinois Institute of Technology. He says, good. He says, engineers, do they make money? He goes, Victor, they make good money. I said, okay, I'm gonna be an engineer. So I go through the checklist. I'm not making this part up. I read civil engineering. I don't want to be nice to people. Let's not do that. Mechanical <laughs> engineering. Uh, I don't want to do anything mechanical. So let's, I don't want to fix cars, right? Aerospace engineer, uh, Puerto Rican in space, not making any sense to me at this point. And then I finally got to, uh, I finally got to electrical engineering. I'm thinking light bulbs, electricity. I can do that. Ben Franklin did it. So can I. And that's right. when I decided to get an electrical engineering degree. So I got an electrical engineering degree. I fought my way through college, like five and a half years to graduate. My first year, I had to go back and take uh, almost like college remediation courses because my, you realize that a public school education in Chicago is not up to par compared to public or private schools or Catholic schools. Uh, and so it took me five and a half years to graduate. And then from there, you know, I launched into corporate America, a software, software engineer, application engineer. I designed wireless systems. I worked on a lot of munitions for the military when I worked for Honeywell, you know, and then um, got my MBA eventually because they said, if you want to move up. And then one day I moved into sales because uh, a guy by the name Ken Cook, I think I told the story. Maybe I didn't tell a story. We, I designed the system. I was the engineer. He was the sales guy. Deal was $5 million. I'm giving you the short version. $5 million. Mm-hmm. I'm all happy because we won the deal. But I found out he's getting $50,000 and I get a nice lunch. And I said, hmm, maybe I should go into sales. And then from there, uh, sales, account manager, regional manager, director, VP of sales, and then president of sales and marketing for a $420 million company. And then one day I said, you know what? I think it's time for me to write books and speak and share my knowledge and wisdom. Great. Now, and now, so we're going to get into your specialty, which is sales, right? Sales, sales, sales. But, you know, I, I love your story. Congratulations on your success. And, you. you know, getting, God bless America. Getting, God bless America. I mean that when America, I say that too. 
people complain a lot, but uh, it's still a country where you can work your tail off and, and, and create Absolutely. your destiny, right? Absolutely. And so, so, you know, besides, it sounds like you had great parents, uh, but you, you were in, I mean, you know, really, people talk about that, that area of Chicago. I mean, that's like one of the roughest parts of the country. Maybe I was in the shite, as they say in Ireland. What's that? As they say in Ireland, I was in the shite. Yeah. You were in the shite. <laughs> <laughs> but but how, do you, how do you credit yourself, you know, because obviously the environment, a lot of the influences were, were, were not great. Um, how, how, do you, how do you credit that you, Victor and Tony, were able to, to really focus and, and, and get out of that environment while others weren't able to? Yeah, I, you know, I'm always careful how I answer that question because I, I truly believe in the, the, the science of memory distortion, which means, you know, we always reassemble memories and sometimes we reassemble them conveniently to fit a certain narrative that we have today. And so the, the only thing I can say to that when I ask that, I'm asked that question is what was always driving me? And I always say it was fear. That, that's, that's a fact, that was the constant. Uh, fear that if I, if I didn't go to college, I had to work in the factory. Fear if I didn't have a good job, I wouldn't have money. You know what I mean? Uh, and so I'm very, you know, I'm very low on the Maslow hierarchy. You know, where it talks about survival. You know, it wasn't about self-actualization. I'm still trying to go for that. But, you know, a lot of it was just survival, man. You know, and I think a lot of us can understand that. You know, you're afraid. Uh, I think people always tell me, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness, to which I always say, shut up, but it buys you options. And that's mm -hmm. what I agree. I, that's my philosophy. Money buys you options. You can go to school, not go to school, go to private school, public. You have options. And that's why, you know, I'm a pure capitalist. I'm like a, a Milton Friedman, Ayn Rand, Heil Broner type of capitalist. I believe in value for value. I give you value, you make money. In return, give me some money. That's a value for value relationship. And I don't hesitate to talk about that, even though most people do. But I think fear has driven me and the fear of not succeeding at what I wanted. And if entrepreneurs are listening to this, they get it. You know what? They're doing a job, for example, let's talk about the person who's doing a job right now, working for a corporation, but is not really doing what they want to do. The fear of never making a real hard decision and having to live with that regret 30 years from now is what drives them sometimes. You know, so I think that I think fear is a great motivator. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, do, do you still have some uh, friends and family back in the neighborhood? Almost everybody's back there still. And so, yeah. you know, the area we lived in has been gentrified. And so now mm -hmm. you see, uh, you know, back in the day, it was uh, pretty much a black and Hispanic neighborhood. And if you saw yeah. a white person walking through there, it was like, are you lost? It was like spotting right. a white owl. Like, where'd that come from? Right? Today, <laughs> today you go back there and it's like, you got all these, uh, these, these young yeah. professionals sipping lattes and riding their little bikes that they, or their little right. scooters that, you know, you get with your little app. So it's, it's weird to see it now, man. It really is. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so every, everybody's back in the hood. Everybody's doing much better in our family. Excellent. I lived in Chicago for a year after college. I uh, thought, speaking of comedy, I won. So I'm in Rochester, New York, and I had dabbled with some stand-up comedy, just amateur nights, and I, I won the funniest person in Rochester contest. Wow. which that's big. Apparently not that hard to do, right? And I got my head all big, and I said, I'm moving to Chicago. I'm going to take classes at Second City and Improv Olympics. And I, I did. I took comedy classes at uh, Zany's. And so I lived in Lincoln Park oh, yeah. in the 90s. And I loved Chicago. Loved it. But I wasn't funny enough. Or, or maybe I didn't have the endurance to really say, like, you know what? I think this is my calling. It's, I just yeah. didn't have the love for it. But I'm so glad I did it. It was so much fun. Yeah. But I, what you just said is key, though, because I, I think that's, that's one of the biggest elements to success is the endurance matched with purpose. 
You know what I mean? Yes. Because purpose yeah. will give you the endurance. You know, if you find yeah. yourself stopping short, it's because, eh, you know what, deep down inside, you didn't want to do it. You know, my earlier days of speaking, uh, so I always tell this story. So when I, I quit, pre I was president of sales and marketing. I was making $250,000 base salary plus commissions on top of that, which were crazy local. And I had a bunch of stock options, right? So I decided to quit. You know, May 9th, 2001, 3.48 p.m. to be exact. I quit <laughs> and, and said, I'm going to be, I'm going to, you know, you make that decision. You finally, I call it that quiet discontent where you finally make that decision. You know what? It's been in my stomach for long enough. We're doing this. You know, I had talked to my wife already about it. We had two kids and I told my wife this was coming. And so I decided May 9th, 2001, 3.48 p.m. And I remember I gave, I was like, yeah, I was like euphoria. I'm out. I'm out of the rat race, right? And then the next day I wake up and the first feeling I have is pure terror, horror. Like, what the hell did I do? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It was visceral, man. I was like, oh, it's like, oh, you know, it's like, you know, sugar, honey, yeah. iced tea type of thing, right? It's like, wow. right. And so, <laughs> you know, and so I'm like, ah. And so my first year of speaking, I made $17,000. You and you were making it. what before that? Remember, uh, four or 500. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so like an Icarus moments, right? I flew too close to the sun. I'm crashing bad into the ocean at $17,000. And I'm like, Oh man, you know, what am I yeah. doing? And then at that point, the second part of my brain kicks in. I, do we still want to do this or do we want to go back to the wheel? And I'm like, no, no, mm -hmm. this is where purpose and endurance comes in. I'm like, no, no, we got to go for it. Second year, I made $56,000 climbing my way to the top. And by the third year, we're over a hundred thousand. We haven't looked back since. And so, Excellent. but it was that if I didn't have that, that endurance, that purpose driven endurance in the first two years, yeah. I would have quit. So important, such an important, and, and I, I say it to salespeople, my previous business before Avanti was a national magazine for high school students. We helped them with mm -hmm. college career and life planning. Mm -hmm. So it was a printed magazine. We had distribution in about 20,000 high schools. So it was free. And the way we made our money is we sold ads. So I had about any given time, six, seven salespeople. And I'd always say to a new salesperson, give me two years. Mm -hmm. Give me two years of just like, you know, cold calling, working hard, making it happen. I guarantee you'll get that flywheel turning and you'll stay. Yep. But it was that first two years of endurance, right? Yeah. And, and like the, the other part of that is the purpose. Do you love what you're selling? Do you love what you're doing, right? By the way, there's, and, there's, and, there's, a, there's a wonderful lesson in what you just said that most people are not aware of. So let's not highlight it. What you just sure. did was to your salespeople uh, was something called the inoculation effect. The inoculation effect is where you inoculate somebody against a disease, right? That's inoculation against a disease. Yeah. You inoculated them against pessimism by saying, look, give me two years. And at the end of two years, he said, you're going to struggle all the way through. He's going to fight, fight, fight. But by the end of two years, you're going to see it. Now, that salesperson leaves that room. And when they're getting their butt kicked the first couple of months, three, four months, he says, well, David said, this is what I should expect. And I think we should do that more to salespeople. Look, you're going to get your backside kicked in for the first six months. Easy. You might start seeing some sunlight, you know, on month seven, but expect that it's going to happen. And then when salespeople go out there and it happens, they don't feel like they're a failure. They say, ah, this just confirms what David said, so I must be on the right track. That's what's powerful about what you just said. Awesome. Well, I didn't mean to do it, but thank you. Yep. <laughs> but I knew. I knew I knew it for me because when I started my company back in 95, this is when I started the magazine. I'm 25. I have no money in the bank. I'm not. And, and my saving grace was I was not married. I had no kids. I had no house. I had nothing to lose except uh, a 19, I think it was a 91 uh, Geo Prism, right? Remember those cars? So I'm like, yeah, if I lose that, I'll be fine, right? <laughs> 
Love it. So I had nothing to lose, but I, I had passion and I had endurance and I quit my, so what I did, I had a sales job for a radio station, right? Mm -hmm. And up I is. went in, up is. You know, went in January, January 3rd, 1995, nine in the morning. I remember, oh, I remember the times, right? I gave my two weeks. I said, I'll be civil, right? I'll be civil. It's two weeks. Well, the, boss, the big boss came in and said, hey, Dave, wish you well with your new company. That sounds exciting. But we don't keep salespeople around for two weeks because they always cause some trouble. Right. So here's a box you can leave now, right? By the way, that's what happened so in my, essentially also. When I told them, I was like, I'm going to give you the yeah. They go, nope, goodbye. Yeah, like, oh. yeah they, 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 they know us, right? We're going we're gonna to cause some trouble in two weeks, yep. so get out. So he literally brought me a box and said, hey, Dave, wish you well. Here's a box you can leave now. And that same feeling you had, I had it right away. So I'm yeah. sitting with my box. It was a cold winter day in Rochester, and I'm out by the curb with my box. And That's I a said, beautiful picture you just painted, by the way. That's very Oh, gorgeous, right? I'm sitting there with a box <laughs> shivering with my few belongings, a hole in my yeah. socks and shoes, my pocket. Homeless Ibanano. People giving me money, people giving me money. I started singing, you know. <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, the the, the sun was out, though. The sun was out. Right? <laughs> so I remember in my mind, I had two weeks, right? I'm like, oh, but then now I had like zero time, right. like the clock was ticking. And that feeling, you're, I had that feeling you had, like it was, and I, I put it in, I, the metaphor I had is like, you, you're on that scary roller coaster, the bar is down, locked in place, yep. it's moving. So you're kind of excited, but you're mostly like, holy cannoli yeah. anxious as all hell what have i just done right but it's almost exhilarating at the same time it just and, and every entrepreneur listening probably knows that feeling you know when you yeah. finally and it's not so much about quitting your job sometimes it's just about putting money down like you you know you invested some capital and i don't know you're developing some type of app and now you just put plunk down fifty thousand dollars to kickstart this app and then now you're like oh what do we what did i just do that was my last fifty thousand dollars so to speak it's go time. It's go time. Yeah. yeah well, you'll, you'll probably appreciate this having go through a similar thing is I didn't have a lot of money in the bank, right? I wasn't making a lot of money. I was 25. And I realized by about three o'clock that day that um, I, I probably wasn't going to last too long. So I had a Ruby Tuesdays on the corner of my, where I lived and I called and I, I said, Hey, I need a, I need a job at night. I'm a magazine publisher a day, but I could be a waiter at night. Yep. They're like, come on down. We need somebody to cut the vegetables for the Ruby Tuesday salad bar tonight. So I started that day, suit and tie, board meeting, quit my job, nice office. By the end of that day, I was chopping broccoli for the Man, Ruby Tuesday real. sale. That's real. That's it was the best broccoli ever chopped, let me tell you. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad you share stories like that because I've had that. Like in my last, since 2001, I've had to go back yeah. twice to get smaller jobs, right? And they, were kind of, mm -hmm. they came my way and said, do you want to do this? I said, well, I can, I can replenish my account if I do these things. Like one was a, uh, I was a sales trainer for a company and the other one, I was a CEO for a technology company out of Christiansburg, Virginia. And so that helped me replenish my account. So again, if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, you know, don't see it as a failure. If you got to go chop broccoli at night or do some sales training on the side for somebody else, you do what you got to do to keep the dream moving forward. Yeah, I love it. And see people didn't know that about you. Like you, people see you now, you know, you're, you're on uh, a stage in front of, thousands and thousands of people. I watched the video on your website. I mean, one of those venues, I mean, there's probably a hundred thousand people there, right? Like and, 14, and they, 000, they I think that's the one you're looking at. Yeah. 14,000. Oh, well, it looked huge, right? Least. And, and I see, you know, so people see you, right? Victor Antonio, massively successful, you know, well-dressed, got his crap together. 
uh, but they, 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 they don't, they didn't see the roller coaster to get that's there. Correct. Right. Yeah. They see the end product. And I think that's what people do. A lot of people say, Victor, I want to do what you do. I said, man, put in the time, put in the effort. Yeah. And they all want a shortcut. They all want the pixie dust. You know, here's how you do it magically. No, it's time, effort, sweat. You know, you're toiling away when nobody else is looking and you're yeah. doing what other people are not willing to do. All that sounds so cliche ish, but I'm sorry. Universal truths are universal truths. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I, I promised you this would be about a half an hour because you are a busy, popular guy. So, so you know, you, you're, a, you're a sales guru. So I know the Ivanti family would be very upset if I didn't get a couple nuggets sure. from you about some of some of your, you know, I'll say unique sales training. And, you know, remember, we're a lot of us are small to medium sized entrepreneurs and, and the, the top salesperson, right? So if you were sitting down with, you know, having coffee with somebody who, you know, maybe they're a year into their business doing that $300,000 a year in revenue and they're trying to get to that million mark um, and you're working with them, what are, what are some of the, the things you're going to uh, uh, help them to get to that next level of growth? So, so when I work with people, I, I, I start to carve things up. And, you know, for everybody here, not that I'm trying to sell you, but I'm going to sell you right now. I have something called the salesvelocityacademy.com, which has all my courses. I think we have 41 courses, over 400 videos, 30 bucks a month worth the deal. And one of the things I talk about is that there's only four ways to grow your business. And, I, you know, I use a sales velocity equation, right? And the, the, the equation goes like this, and you can find it on my website. It's sales velocity is equal to the number of opportunities in your pipeline multiplied by your close rate multiplied by your average deal size divided by your sales cycle. And your job is to increase the opportunities, close rate, and deal sizes and reduce your sales cycle, right? So what if, what if every month you just focused on one of those things? Let's say that this is prospecting month. Prospecting month. And here's what I want you to do if you're listening to this. Say that June is prospecting month. And I want you to do, I want you to draw a, a, a box Put a little cross in the middle so you have four quadrants, right? And then write this down. Start, stop, more, less inside each of the four boxes. Start, stop, more, less. And next month come June, ask yourself, in prospecting, what do I need to start doing? One or two things. What do I need to stop doing? One or two things. What am I doing that I need to do more of? What are certain things I'm doing that I need to do less of? And that's all you do for the month of June. Now comes July. It's closing month. Let's work on closing. You do the same thing. Start, stop, more or less, right? And then third month, you get the idea of fourth month. <clears throat> Here's what's interesting. If you were able to move the needle on the number of prospects you have by 10%, move the needle on your close rate by 10%. Also on your average deal size, raise it by 10%. And then reduce your sales cycle by 10%. Your average scales will go up 47%. Wow. 47%. So that's a way to eat the elephant one bite at a time. Because what people have yeah. is they, they don't know where to start. Like, where do I begin? I got all this sales training. I get all this in content, but where do I start? You start with a cadence. Prospecting, month one. Closing rate, average deal. And remember the sales cycle. And I talked about this at the outbound thing. And I really meant that. I wish I could have hit that harder because that right there – you create that cadence, and then come month five, you restart the cycle again. So you're doing this three times a year. And one of the things I think I talked about was that when you focus in on one thing per month, you start seeing things you hadn't seen before. You start identifying things. And that's what I want people to take away from this. 
So it comes down to massive focus. I love it because I think, especially entrepreneurs, you know, we're, we're manic, we're frenetic, right? The bright, shiny light syndrome going on mm-hmm. all the time. Oh, yeah, man. And you're saying just focus, focus, focus. And, right. you know, just like people that are, are blind tend to hear better because they're, you know, the, the, the senses are focused on, on, That's uh, on the ears, right? Yeah. And so you're saying you'll, you'll, you'll see things that you haven't seen before because you're focused on prospecting, That's you're right. focused on closing, right? I love it. I love if, it. If so, I, if I, can I give them one more thing? Because I think it's, it's, oh, it's please. one thing. The, there's so many, and, and I want to say this because, you know, two days ago I was in New York and I did this presentation and they showed me their, I was going in to do a one day workshop with them and I saw their sales process and it was all convoluted. And I've seen all these convoluted sales process, 50 steps to closing a sale, 13 steps, seven steps, whatever it may be. Look, I figured it out. I've got the universal sales formula applies to any business anywhere. It's three steps. That's it. And we'll use the 20-60-20 rule on this one. Here's what I mean. The first thing is to empathize with what your customer is going through. If you can put yourself in your customer's shoes, like really feel what they're going through, the pressures that they're feeling before you present, then you're one step ahead. Dedicate 20% of your time to figuring that out. 60% of your time is step number two, which is the education piece. See, that's what people are looking for today. They don't want more information. They want more insight. Again, information beyond the obvious. Tell me why this is going to work. Tell me how I'm going to avoid certain pitfalls. Tell me about the trends. Tell me things that you know, make me rethink my business model, and I'll view you as a trusted advisor or your position as an expert. If I can spend 60% of my time educating, not trying to sell, just educate the client, I'm one step ahead of everybody else. The last 20%, which is the third step, is to empower them to make a decision. If I've, look, if I've empathized with you and I've educated you, all I got to do is present the options and you'll come to your own conclusion because buyers don't like to be pressured. But if I give them options, they'll always make a decision. That's what I wanted to share. I love it. Why don't you drop that microphone? That was fantastic. Was that? <laughs> drop that <laughs> microphone. Boom. Now, well, what, what, you're, what you're essentially saying is people will view you as a helpful resource, as somebody who truly cares about them and their business and their results, unless it's like the quote unquote stereotypical salesperson, right? Yeah. They're gonna say, Victor's here to help me. And, and they, may, they may just call you as a, as a trusted resource, as a friend, even about other things other than your product, Correct. because you reached out and you've said, I'm here to help you, I've, 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 I'm here to educate you, I've, I've, empath- I've, I've showed you that I've learned about you and I empathize with you, right. and now, now you're a trusted advisor instead of right. just a salesperson, right? And then when you close the deal, you empower them to make a decision by saying, look, here's some options we offer, you know, what fits, and you feel better about yourself. You don't walk out of there feeling icky about trying to figure out, how do I present this in a slick way? You know, look, if you're doing pure transactional sales, maybe the ABC stuff still works, always be closing, you know, but but I think it's changed. The market's changed, especially in a longer sales cycle. More decision makers are involved. You can't be that way. You have to be the guy that stands out that goes, every time I talk to that guy, every time I talk to David, he gives me something I hadn't thought about. He gives me insight. And that's why I like meeting with him. That's why I'll take another meeting with him. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I try to post inspirational stuff on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn in, in the mornings to get people going with some, some type of positive thought to start the day. Sure. And I just do it. I mean, first of all, it helps me because I'm searching for this positivity. Sure. I read it and then I share it with everybody. So it helps me. It helps others. But I, one of my clients say, David, your Monday morning posts are amazing. I hate Monday mornings. They get me going. I just shared with, I shared, just shared it with one of my friends who was having a tough morning. Thank you. And now, you know, so now to my client, I'm not only, you know, uh, a quote unquote vendor, 
um, I'm, I'm a friend that is helping them inspire them. And, and they're even taking my content and sharing with other people. So I, I pass that salesperson status, which really just, it fills my heart. I love it. I, I think if you can blend the, 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 the motivational aspirational aspect, which is what you're doing. And I'm also sure that if you can provide them some, like what I call data insight, tangible, something's happening in the market and then just share that with them. That's when they yeah. start seeing both ends. Now you got the emotional and the logical, right? The rational and the emotional yeah. part kicking in. And I think when you can jog between those two, that's when you really start kicking in the, in, in the high gear. Yeah, awesome. So Victor Antonio, and I live in Victor, New York. I think I told you that. You so, did not. Obviously. I didn't know that. No, I did not. I live in, I live in a town called Victor, New York. It's a nice suburb outside of Rochester. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. This you was meant to, to be, visit. David. David, this was meant to be, David. This was meant to be. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, Victor. <laughs> you are the best. I, I definitely want to continue our relationship. I consider you a new friend. We're doing an Avanti conference every year. Next year, we, we've had it in Rochester for the past few years. Next year, 2020, I'm looking at doing it maybe like Orlando, Charlotte, maybe Atlanta type of thing. Okay. We'd love to have you consider coming down to that if I can afford you. Hit me up. <laughs> Hit me up. Hit me up because I will charge you, by the way, always. I know, but it, but it'll, be, it'll be an investment, not an expense, right? There you go. My man. My man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Victor, before we go, tell, tell the, the Avanti family, how do, they, how do they find you? Website? Uh, if you just type in uh, Victor Antonio, you'll find me. VictorAntonio.com. But uh, if you're listening to this, you're an entrepreneur, you're trying to take it to the next level. As David said, you go from 300 to a million. If you only had to do one thing uh, besides go on my academy, if you don't want to do that because you can't afford the $29.99, and trust me, I've been there. It's no shame in that game. Then go to my Sales Influence podcast. They're 10-minute podcasts filled with content to help you grow your business. And you can find me on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, whatever it may be. Excellent, Victor. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Wish you massive continued success, my friend. All right. Thank you, David. You're awesome. Thank you. You're awesome. Dude, I man, love I it. Enjoyed it. That was fun, <laughs> man. That was fun, man. Yeah, so I got to go because my wife's with me. Hey, excellent, Victor. You go. I'm going to say goodbye to the audience, but you you get out of here. Wave goodbye. Right. Wave goodbye to everybody. My virtual goodbye. Later, people. By the way, if you're married like I have been for 30 years, you know you got to be on time. I got 10 minutes to make this. Later. Yeah, we don't want the wife mad. So thank you, Victor. Right. Thank you. And thank you, Avanti listeners. Thank you listening to the Avanti Entrepreneur Podcast. Make sure to check us out at AvantiEntrepreneur.com. Thank you very much. Have a great day and stay awesome. Thank you for listening. Head over to AvantiEntrepreneurGroup.com for show notes and more helpful advice from entrepreneurs like you. Continue to find your entrepreneurial rhythm at the Avanti Entrepreneur Podcast.